It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan, and this is episode 151B. Now, what we're going to do, I think we're going to have 151A, B, and C this week. Uh, for the reason that I don't have a guest today, and I apologize, but uh, as most of you know, I'm in Sudbury shooting Shorzy, and um, it's long hours, most times, definitely unpredictable hours, so it's hard to get a guest as I speak to you right now. It's 5.30 a.m. Yesterday, we got in at, my pickup was at 7.30, and we got home at 11 p.m. Had my skates on for about 14 hours, 13 or 14 hours, um, tight, you know, and doing uh, the plays, the stunts, all that stuff. It's great. <clears throat> I'm really uh, happy to be a part of it, as I've said before. But, you know, we all comment as we're doing it. And I do think that, uh, you know, what adds to the show's appeal is that we're all hockey players, you know. We're out there, even while we're doing the 
plays yesterday. I mean, we had to practice the goals. Uh, the, you know, we did some fights. All the all the on ice action that you see are uh, without exception hockey players. Most of them pro. Um, I know a lot of you know about the gyms, but uh, there are other players on our team. The members of the useless—they're all hockey players, or the the useless, quote unquote useless. If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and the guys that we're playing against. And uh, a couple were in yesterday, Neil Clark, Alex Pennell, Penner, and uh, played quite, I think both of them played six or seven years pro. And uh, anyway, there's Patrick Waugh's son is here, Frederick, Freddie, uh, who was a great player in his own right. Uh, knocked on the door of the NHL, but yeah, played in the AHL and was fairly effective. Anyway, that's just a few, but it's nice to see some ex-players and get to chat with them and play against them and everything. And the, the on-ice days are a lot of fun, but like I said, they can be unpredictable. So what I think I'm going to do, I'm going to have Andrew Ansonen. He plays Goody on the show, and uh, he's involved. He's an interesting cat. A lot of people, so Goody... He didn't play professional hockey, but he played junior A. You know, junior A is a good level. If you can play junior A, you can hang in there. You know, it means you're a certain level of skater and thinker. So he's pretty good. And uh, but, but more interestingly, he was a UFC fighter. And he raises money now. He's uh, he, uh, Andrew is indigenous. I forget where. I think he lives in northern Quebec. But he has a program called First Aid, and he travels and uh, to many Native communities, Indigenous communities, and uh, you know puts on hockey clinics, raises some money for them to. Uh, and, and you know, it's not all about money. It's about the, the the dream and the goal of having a hobby, something that you like to do. And hockey is for everybody. More and more people are. Uh, success isn't just about making the NHL, but you know. You start to look at professional hockey, the AHL, the AHL, the the East, the NHL, sorry, the AHL, the East Coast League, all over overseas, Central League, you know, all kinds of leagues now. Good time to be a hockey player. But there's people from all over, you know. There's more and more becoming a, a worldwide game, which is wild. When they started skating on that ice, you know, uh, in uh, what, I don't know, late 1800s. I suppose people were probably skating for longer, but from what I recall, watching my hockey documentaries and reading my hockey books, that it started in the late 1800s. Some would say New Brunswick, I believe, and some would say Montreal. In any case, in North America, where it was cold and where there was ice, people were skating, and the NHL or the uh, pro hockey developed. And I believe the NHL, maybe the 1910s or early 20s. I think, and uh, anyway, it's really become a global game. It's exciting, but uh, Andrew has an, an, an interesting story, and I figure, well, he hasn't been on yet. A lot of people from Shorzy have, and uh, he's actually got a good cause to talk about. So this week, I'm going to have a 151, whatever it is, C, and I'll do that on Saturday. So there you go. I had to make up for a couple of weeks ago anyway when I had nothing. Um, first things first. First things first. Well, first of all, I've already talked, so I guess the first thing has already been spoken about. 
But just think about that. First things first. Of course, it would have to be. Where did that saying come from? I did a course once in folklore about sayings and their origins. It's funny. I love the course, and I only remember five or six, uh, you know, real, yeah, five or six things about the course, really, about, it was all about words, I, I guess, not only English, you know, it was almost like um, linguistics meets history. And I remember it was a really interesting course. Um, English, for example, right? Like people, if you were to hear someone speak in the, the year, say, a thousand, you wouldn't really understand them. Um, at least English, okay? And, you know, I, I suppose there are versions all over. But anyway, it's in the long... I mean, you could go on for hours and hours, but... I'm interested after that, after like 1,000, 1,100. And then Chaucer, I believe, I could be butchering his name, but Chaucer came before Shakespeare. And then if you read Shakespeare, I mean, it's so detailed. I just couldn't believe that just a few hundred years before that, people weren't even speaking English that we would recognize. And then those guys almost made it poetic. Um, well, I guess they technically did. <clears throat> anyway. With that comes the history of all kinds of sayings. Shakespeare, we still say all kinds of things. All kinds of parts of our everyday language are Shakespeare. I'll move on after this. I know most of you are probably bored from this, but I do need to say it because a lot of people don't realize it. So Shakespeare, yeah. I mean, I don't know how familiar most people are. I mean, most people, I would think, at least know that he wrote Romeo and Juliet. They could start there, right? Uh, there's all kinds. Uh, my favorites, A Good, a, a Midsummer Night's Dream and uh, Macbeth, probably. I mentioned King Lear last week, but uh, I don't really remember much about it. I just know the main setting. But, I, I, I you know, uh, Shakespeare, you either love it or hate it. But uh, much like I, I say the Beatles, like if, if you don't love the band, have respect for how they changed music. I mean, I could say that about Miles Davis or Robert Johnson, a lot of people. So it's the same thing when it comes to words. I don't sit there and read Shakespeare every day, but for example, some of the things we still use today, I just brought this up on Google. Brought it up on Google. <clears throat> Sounds like my mom. I searched it on the net and this is what I found. A wild goose chase. Uh, I'm in such a pickle. Uh, cruel to be kind, for goodness sake. One fell swoop, neither here nor there. The be-all and end-all. Mum's the word. I mean, I could go on and on, but you get the idea, right? The be-all and end-all is from Macbeth. All that glitters, all that glitters is not gold. Merchant of Venice. He was eaten out of house and home. Knock, knock, who's there? That's from Macbeth. Uh, in my heart of hearts, too much of a good thing. It's Greek to me. A heart of gold. Break the ice. I'm going to lay low. Uh, this is a foregone conclusion. Uh, all of a sudden. 
from the taming of the shrew. Remember that one of the first lines, all of a sudden. Now, all of a sudden we say, just like all those saying, just rolls off the tongue, right? All of a sudden, but think about it. If that wasn't a saying already, you would never think to say those words together. All of a sudden. What do you mean all? All of a sudden. A sudden what? A sudden instance? All of it? But we know because it just flows off. Like if I say fucking jump, you know exactly what, you know, picture somebody jumping all of a sudden, immediate, right? You could say immediately. But in English, we have all kinds of ways to say the same thing. That's another thing about the English language. Um, for someone on the outside looking in, it's hard to learn uh, because, well, because of a lot of things. But we have a lot, like some languages don't have a word for one thing, let alone a hundred ways to say it. But it, all of a sudden is a saying that you don't even really need to be there. You could just say immediately, instantly, but right away. Um, um, another reason English is hard to learn um, it, it take a series of words that all are spelt the same or sounding and uh, you would think they would rhyme so if you think about it, if you don't know English if you don't know English at all and you're being taught and someone these all these words have the same um What's the word? The same uh, skeleton of spelling. The same. They, they they would appear to rhyme. Though, t h o u g h, rough, r o u g h. What I'm trying to say is the common denominator is the o u g h. So if I'm learning and I see o u g h, usually it would, in any other language, most of the time, it would be the same sound. Now you got though. Now you got rough, bow, B-O-U-G-H. Bow? Doesn't make any sense. Now you got through, through. So through, T-H-R-O-U-G-H. Though, all you've done is change the R. Bow, right? What did I say? Through, though, bow. Now you got rough. R-O-U-G-H. Rough? Right? That doesn't make any sense. There's four words that appear to rhyme that all have a completely different sound. Uh, actually, I could go on and on, but anyway, just for those of us that speak English that often think, oh, that'd be easy to learn, it's not quite as easy as you think. So anyway, first things third, I said this and, you know, people get these cameos from me and it's really honestly, if, if I could tell you how great it is to, uh, you know, as part of my living to be saying happy birthday and making up rhymes and silly sayings and whatever and uh, chirping people, really, I, I, I it, it's not lost on me how fortunate I am. So I figured these people are nice enough to reach out. And uh, in this situation, Leanne from New York got a cameo for her, I assume husband, but maybe not. I don't know. It was a gift from Leanne. And this guy's name is John Frank Schultz V. He's turning 40 years old. And uh, 
married with three sons, a New York detective. Interesting. I've never actually met an NYPD detective. I bet they would, they could tell some good stories. Um, but this is the second or third that I've done for someone for the NYPD. So thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate it, my kind of people, and uh, much respect. But anyway, John, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hear you. Yeah, you play ice hockey and roller hockey still. You love hockey podcasts, Spitting Chicklets, Pink Whitney, the New York Rangers, and your favorite New York Rangers is, is Adam Graves. Wild, man. I loved Adam Graves. I, uh, I remember, uh, you know, I mean, I was a forward that shot left. And when you're playing pro and you're coming up and you're watching so many games and, you know, he was a pretty prominent player. He was one of the, always one of the uh, players. <laughs> I suppose you could say I looked up to. I always paid attention to. Uh, I was a different player, but I saw some similarities. And uh, I heard he was a great guy. I had players I know that played with him. Darren Langdon, uh, for one, but, uh, you know, the group that I, you know, when I was coming into the NHL, Shane Corson, same Mark Recchi, Vinny Damfus, Lyle Odeline, you know, those, those, um, generation of players that were probably a decade ish older than me all spoke highly of the guy. And I know he did a lot of charity work and he could fucking snipe. So, uh, what a great pick, uh, Adam Graves. Anyway, John Frank Schultz the fifth. You people are nice enough to get a cameo from here on in. I'm going to mention you on my podcast. So thanks for listening. Okay, to some questions. Hey, TR. What is the what is the greatest prize you almost won? I had to think about that. Almost won. Um, oh, uh, it's all, it, it all. This message also says, "I'm a health and wellness coach. Love the stories, Mister Miyagi North." Um, first of all, Mister Miyagi North, um, you're a health and wellness coach. What is that? Have you noticed? Now look, Bud. I'm not putting you down at all. I wish you all the best, and thanks for listening to the podcast. But there's health and wellness, and then there's... Lately, I've found that these life coaches have been popping up. And all the power to you, Miyagi. I don't know who you are, so I don't think I'm insulting you too bad here. And I, I'm not doubting that some people are probably great at coaching, quote-unquote, life. I, I, not that you're a life coach. <laughs> So I'm not trying to riff on you here, but you're a health and wellness coach. Now, health and wellness is great. Find the words pop up now. And you probably are. I'm going to start there, I guess. Uh, but every, anybody notice that? Like you've got some friends that like over the course of their life, I'm not saying they're slobs, but you know, you know, they're not certainly not the most healthy or well, quote unquote, well. But they're good guys or girls and they're fun or whatever. I mean, just last week, you might have seen him fucking eating a cheeseburger on the way home from fucking downtown at fucking 3 a.m., you know? Maybe uh, smoking some hash at a concert. 
slab of pizza, whatever. And then all of a sudden you open Instagram and they're like, all of a sudden, like all about health and wellness. And I'm like, Jesus, Samantha, I just saw you like all fucked up fucking downtown eating a fucking hot dog on the side of the road. What are you talking about here? You know, but I suppose it's nice to push health and wellness. I just don't think everybody is really as healthy and well as it might appear on Instagram, which is fine. I just, and it's not you, Mr. Miyagi North. I know it's not. It just kind of triggered something in my mind. I'm just seeing all this lately about this health and wellness. And uh, that's one thing. But the life coach, I, I don't get. I'm sorry, I don't get it. Because whoever is coaching me life, like, better be fucking flawless. You know what I mean? Like, if you're coaching me, it's everybody's different. Everybody's different. I, I'm very happy with my place in the universe. But if I, I can't even say the words coach. No, you know, if I was just, if you just, I'm in Sudbury right now, like pointing me in a direction and I went to the mall and you pick somebody and they said, hey, we're going to, you know, be our, we're going to pay you to be, you know, our life coach. I, I definitely wouldn't push on them all the things I do because I'm used to them and that's the way I live, but I know it's not for everybody. Is that in itself coaching life? Is that realization part of me becoming a life coach? No, it's not. I uh, Some people might need it, though. I guess the argument would be some people who are being coached by life coaches, even if the life coach might be a bit of bullshit, you know what I mean? If the people... Kind of like religion, but I'm not going to get into that again. I'm not going to get into that again. Fuck it. And I've had, so I got, honestly, tens of fucking messages. I just don't want this to be that podcast. I was, I'm great, grateful for you guys listening to Fish. And even last time, I got into it more than I wanted to. But I'm not trying to go there at all. I'm really not. But um, on the life coach front, yeah, I guess, you know, if it works, who am I to fucking knock it? I'm just going to leave it at this. I think more life coaches than not, there's at least a little bit of bullshit going on. There's got to be. Come on. Um, and it's just the names we put on things. I'd rather, you know, maybe maybe that's uh, someone who gives advice or uh, a, a uh, yeah, I don't know, a, a psych psychiatrist. Um, therapist, what, what people used to call that. I mean, that, that at, at least those people go to school. At least if I walk into a clinic to, you know, see a therapist, the odds are, I mean, I'm thinking if the therapist is worth their weight or if they're certified, they would have to have some level of schooling. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking a university degree if I'm going to come in and you're going to fucking dissect my mind, Right. So I have some level, even if I don't really agree with the therapist, I know that uh, there's some level of the therapist that will probably relate because they're trained. I mean, you know, there's life coaches on my Instagram that fucking are failed real estate agents, divorced, overweight. What the fuck are you coaching me life for? Christ, what do you want me to go backwards? 
Uh, anyway, Jesus, sorry, Miyagi. I'm sure you're good. Um, what's the greatest prize I almost won in 1994 or 95? My draft year, I went to a Tri City America or in Tri Cities where I played junior Washington State. There was a basketball team called the Tri City Chinook, and they were in the Continental Basketball Association, which was a long way from the NBA, but there were the odd. There was the odd X player. And a lot of guys that played college. It was a good level. So I enjoyed going to the games. And uh, Tri-Cities was one of those places. Um, you know, it was really, really spread out. There wasn't, it was a lot of subdivisions. The main industry was a nuclear power plant. That's where my uh, billet Mark EB, where he uh, worked. And uh, where was I going with that? Oh, Jesus. Prize I nearly won. And uh, so I used to go to the games. So a, a buddy of mine, Mark Steffen, who I just became reacquainted with, lives in Edmonton. And uh, I'll run into Steph this summer. I haven't seen him in a long time, at least a dozen years, I guess. Anyway, we went to a basketball game, and they were giving away a car. So I said to Steph, I said, like, let's just go down and just walk out there as if we're one of the contestants, right? Because so what happened is that the way I recall, I believe it was um, heading into the playoffs and they didn't get as many fans as we got. We expected it to be a sellout, but it wasn't. Say there was 2,000 people there. And I, I, it was something like either either under your seat, um, there was maybe, or, or maybe with the ticket that you bought, there was, um, how do I explain it? If if you had this certain ticket, you got to go down and be one of the contestants to start a car. And they would give you a key, and if it started the car, you got to keep the car. So it happened to be this. I mean, as I as I understand it, every week they gave away a, a lucky fan who won like that week, put them in a draw for the end of the year for this car, and then they all went down and were passed a key, right? And uh, so anyway, I guess they would have had to go to a lot of games and qualify. Me and Steph just said, fuck it. We went down and just acted like we had one of those. And when we were walking out, the people uh, the checking the tickets, they didn't even check. They just said, okay, are all you guys ready? And I guess there was 10 of us, say, I don't know. That was probably 12, 20, I don't know. But whatever it was, someone mustn't have been there because I just said, yeah, and there was it, it evened out. 10 keys, it was like, 10 contestants so whatever happened we weaseled our way on there um so i guess it would have been fraud if we won the car but anyway we we uh it got down to two people you know it was uh like if you you'd get in the car and if your key started it you uh you won it and everybody was eliminated it came down to me and one other contestant and the other contestant uh or lucky fan started the car anyway so that would be i suppose the prize that i almost won outside of uh yeah nice young girl that i had my eye on many moons ago and that would have been a prize that uh would have been a different kind of prize and we're still friends but uh that's that's as far as it went anyway on to the next question. 
Hey, TR, do you still go to Habs games? And do you still cheer for the Habs? This comes from Cole, and Cole is in Saskatoon. Cole, I do. I took my daughter to her first Habs game um, just this past winter, a couple of months ago, January. And I assume you know the story there that, uh, you know, my career didn't quite work out as expected with the Montreal Canadiens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's water under the bridge. I still go to games and um, no animosity there whatsoever. I uh, Rajan Hua was the GM when I was playing in Montreal. A lot of people would probably think that we wouldn't get along, but uh, he couldn't be any nicer. And um, I'm proud to have worn the jersey. I uh, I enjoy going to games. It's an interesting, the Habs, it's great to be alumni. Uh, they hook you up. We, uh, you know, there's only so many when you think about it, right? Um, I remember when that statue outside came, you know, it was the players up until 2010 or something, um, the 100-year anniversary. And, uh, you know, there had only been like 800 players. I mean, since, what was that, just, just over a decade ago? It was probably another... <clears throat> 70 or 80, um, you know, because a lot of players play multiple years or whatever, but, you know, players to actually get out there and play one game, every, everybody from Jonathan DeLille and myself to guys like, I don't know, Andre Markov, Saku Koivu, Rocket Richard, Jean Beliveau, that got over a 1,000 games with the team. Um, you know, there's still less than a 1,000. So I really... When you put it like that, like I appreciate it, and the alumni reaches out. You know, I, point being, I used to think maybe I'm too insignificant to go to this stuff, to go to, you know, as an alumni. But there's only so many. And like Rajan says, you know, that's what it's for. You know, you expect guys from Montreal that played with the Canadians for all kinds of years to come down. But we're alumni, and, and you know, we want to give back, and we want to build on the positive momentum of the Montreal Canadiens, what they did last century coming into this century, and, you know, in his words, you know, people that played a handful of games in 1950 are just as relevant. We're, we all wore the jersey, and we're all proud to have done it. When he put it like that, I was all in. So they treat us well. You just got to give them a bit of notice, and they try to set us up with tickets wherever. And, uh, you know, then we get to go down and use the alumni room. And that's cool because all those legends are usually, you know, there's not all of them, but. But, but there's often legends. I mean, we went in with Penny Lane, Bijan Hua was there, and Yvonne Cormoyer. Uh, but, you know, and they were nice, real nice. But uh, Gilbert Dion, you know, real good guy. Just, I, I came in, he was kind of leaving, but um, Marcel Dion's brother. Real good guy, showed Penny Lane his Stanley Cup ring from 93. And uh, it was always an adventure like that. I mean... There, there you go. There's, there's what I'll talk about religion. When, uh, when I'm in amongst the Canadians greats, I feel an energy that's uh, almost spiritual. Put it that way. That's how I feel about that whole situation. And speaking of Habs games, okay, I, I keep forgetting this, so I'm glad that uh, you asked that question, Cole. Speaking of Habs games, my friend Bob Taylor, okay in St. John's, Newfoundland, real good guy. They were going to Montreal a couple of months ago for a hockey tournament. And uh, 
His son, Daniel, I believe. Yeah, Daniel. Uh, last minute sent me a note, and they were going to the game, and I love to support Newfoundland players and teams, and Bob's a real good friend. And I uh, I couldn't get them down into the room, you know, and it is a, a tough task. And not that Bob expected it, but I knew he was going up, and I know Daniel is just a good kid, um, you know, a happy kid that really loves hockey and was excited to go see the Montreal Canadiens. So listen, Daniel, I heard that when you were up there, it was February, it was uh, mid-February, I believe the 17th to the 19th. And they went up, they took a team from Newfoundland and Daniel was, I believe the tournament's most valuable player. So I figured I'd mention that. Uh, I'm proud of Daniel. I'm proud of every Newfoundlander. From Daniel to Alex Newhook and now Dawson Mercer, who's scored his first NHL playoff goal last night. I try to support you all. And, uh, well, I mean, I'm one of you, right? We support each other. And, Daniel, good luck in your hockey future. I promise you uh, I will get you a nice souvenir from the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I figured I'd mention your name on here because it's one thing to be a fan and you know, to even visit Montreal, but it's another thing to get MVP of the tournament and get to go to some awesome NHL games in the process. So, Bob, Daniel, happy playoffs, and uh, great job. Keep up the awesome work. Hey, Terry, what do you notice different about this playoffs when you played? That comes from Michael. Michael's in Ottawa. Well, uh, there's a lot of different things. When I played, I mean, I don't know, I played senior hockey last year. Um, you know, I mean, as far as organized, semi-pro kind of, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, hitting, fighting. So, you know, this is the first year I really haven't played. I haven't been connected to the competitive amateur game. There you go. Um, and my experience in playoffs was mostly in the minors. But, and <clears throat> the difference, one of the differences between that era and this one, which really isn't that much space. It's not like I'm saying in time it's not like i'm saying 1950 my era i don't know what early 2000s you know i got hurt early but i i guess i would have been in my prime i was retired um from professional hockey would have been in mid 2000s came out of junior in the late 90s okay so in that time and i i think i can speak for all the times before it there's a lot. I don't want to get into it because I could just say video replay. I could say, you know, um, I, I think there's a lot more shots blocked now. Um, the, the speed, quickness, goalie gear, you know, I don't know. I could go on and on. But I find one that doesn't get talked about that I notice is coming in contact with the goalie. When 
even if it's an accident. I remember, yeah, like any, if you, if I even breathed on the goalie wrong, even a middle D on the other team would clean my clock. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of D that weren't known for their toughness. I don't want to say soft, but yeah, soft. And there's one from Newfoundland, John Slaney. What a fucking player, right? Mr. Team Canada, world junior goal. Um, really, if he came in this era, I think he'd be an NHL star. It was tough for John being like 5'10 or 5'11, one like 75, finesse defenseman in that era. Um, for sure. But even John, if I don't know anybody, jabbed at the goalie, he would have to make it look, he would have to cross check him. He would, it was no free passes from anybody, let alone Pronger. Or, I don't know, in my experience, like in junior, you know, fucking Surrey or Belak or Chara or Eric Brewer in front of the net. Like, but it was everybody. Our team, I'll name you guys you didn't even hear of. Doug Strobel, Ryan Marsh, Pavel Kreese, uh, you know, Ryan Brown. I can name guys that you wouldn't, but, but my everybody, if you didn't, if you were the softest D on my team in junior or in pro, let's say the American League when I went in there, um, Miloslav Guerin, my roommate, soft, great player, great guy. Again, right now, I think he'd be really successful. But Milo, yeah, Milo, even him, yeah. I mean, if you if you were to just kind of follow through with the goalie, let alone jab at the pads. You get a cross check in the face, man. It was real hard. Now, like, I couldn't believe the other night, man. Boston's playing, and they're whacking at the pockets in the goalie's glove. And I think, I, I was it Boston? Or was, I think it might have been Perry, actually, on, on Tampa. You know, just whacking the glove and the, and the puck coming free and going in the net. Um, think of that first Leafs game. Corey Perry came out of the corner, another play, and just jabbed, shot it. Samsonov had it and just jabbed at the pads and jabbed and jabbed till the puck went in and nobody did anything. That really for me is a difference. Like you, like I remember just, it was, I, all I remember about going to the front of the net, it was fucking hard. It was one of the things that I had to do and I, I prided myself on and I knew scouts were looking for. And if I didn't do that, it was bad news by my coach, my players, like everybody's just the role that you find a role. And unfortunately I couldn't go to end to end every time. I like to I don't want to undersell my skill. I'm not trying to be, you know, lack confidence or anything. And I think I had a great hockey IQ. I really do. I wasn't the type, though, to skate it end to end every time. I'd usually give it to the player to do that and then get in the zone and try to hold, you know, try to own the walls and then get it out to that player, right? I usually played with a sniper. Um, and, uh, you know, so... Uh, my job, a lot of it, I was relying on for offense, and most of that offensive flair, if you will, was in front of the net because a lot of people wouldn't go there. And it was fucking hard. And I remember just even shooting a rebound from a foot in front of the goalie, you'd get a cross-check in the back. I can't fucking imagine poking at it. Uh, I don't know who's out there is watching the playoffs, but the Bruins, I believe it was DeBrusque. The, the puck was sitting on, on uh, the goalie's, must have been Bobrovsky's leg. Right? It was sitting on it in the crease. And he fucking whacked the pad, right? Puck goes in the net. Goal. No one did anything. Um, that, to me, is a huge difference. But I, I, I don't even know. 
um, Michael, if that's a playoff thing, because I'm noticing it in the playoffs. It was definitely more intense in the playoffs, but everything is more intense in the playoffs, isn't it? Um, yeah, even in the regular season. But you know, what do you? The question is the playoffs. There, that's a that's a glaring one to me, and uh, one that I certainly wish, as a player, that I had the opportunity to play with the the, the kind of rules and and culture that's out there now. Um, it's one thing to sound like, you know, everybody from my era feels. I, I feel like we're an old man yelling at a fucking cloud, man. Get off my lawn, whatever. Um. And I get the game has to change, but I really, you know, I adapted my game. A lot of us, I can name you lots of guys that were score. Aaron Asham, you know, when we got out there, we were never thinking fight first. We weren't thinking physical. I was thinking, how am I going to get that puck in that net? I grew up as a, a childhood blue chip prospect, and none of that was based on hitting or fighting. But as you navigate your way through teams and leagues and you realize what works what doesn't and and you get to know your body out there and, and and what you can do i could have not i could have chosen not to do like i think i could have gone if i wanted to play like ultra finesse and still gotten 60 or 70 points say you know in, in, in junior let's just go with my draft here okay it was a great year um i know 100 points but you know, a lot of them, a lot of it was because of that. So I guess there's people that choose not to go all in physically and still get some points. But that's, I, I guess you, you know, that's the side of the tracks that they picked, and that's fine, man. Not everybody wants to fucking fight and shit. I get it. But as I went on, and I just knew, and you know, I started fighting. I don't even remember, man. But I know that at first it was. You know, can I do this? And I know it's going to happen. It was almost nerves. Then after a while, when you become all right at it, and, and, and you know, a lot of people just didn't try it and realize, in, in my mind, I don't even feel when I get hit with a punch. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but you, you're so much adrenaline. And I don't think that, you know, almost everybody I talk to says the same thing. So as a fan, you're sitting there, like, not warmed up, like, with your popcorn and beer. You might think that, a punch in the head really hurts, but it, honestly, in the moment, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you don't even really notice it. You notice it like the next day or, or that night, maybe falling asleep and it starts to kick in that, fuck, man, my nose is hurting in my eye. But again, it's a nose or an eye. It doesn't impede you. If it's your wrist, you know, or a ligament or a joint, that's way worse. So, you know, to be honest with you, you know, when you, when you start navigating around and, and, and then you choose to go all in there, then that's part of your game, right? So if, if I just decided when I was 20, oh, you know what, I don't think I'm going to go to the net as hard. It would have been glaringly obvious. Not so much for Sebastian Bordalo, right? But for me, yes, because I changed my game. And, <clears throat> you know, I often look at guys that, you know, I got hurt early, but Fuck, I went on all those years of senior hockey and ball hockey, and that's all it is. Senior hockey schedule is fucking 24 games, right? But there's hitting, and, and my body took took a beating. Can't imagine, like, guys, like, I don't know, Chara is the obvious example, but, you know, going all that time, even into your 30s, man, 82 games a year, 
putting it all on the line and you're in the NHL, there's no hiding it because if if you fucking lollygag for even a minute, it's obvious. Uh, you know, you can't really afford to take any shifts off. So it's a long, hard road, man. Guys like, like they just retired Chris Neal's jersey, I think, in Ottawa. I was never a huge Chris Neal fan. I got no reason not to like him. But I don't really cheer for the Senators. And his stats were pretty good, right? They weren't anything to write home about. But, well, I'm just talking about goals and assists. But they were, for the ice time he got, they were pretty good. And what he brought to the table was that toughness and hitting and a lot of things that there's no stats for. At least there wasn't for most of his career. Now there's an analytic for everything. But, you know, I'm including Darcy Tucker and, I don't know, Rafi Torres. He was pretty dirty. But, but you know, guys, I don't know, Eric Lindros. I, I can go down the list. Fucking guys that go out and, and, and play hard at both ends of the rink. And uh, even, even you know, to just any degree you're in the NHL, you got to play hard. Even if you're a fucking pure, like, I... For me, Jonathan Drouin is like the softest. You know, he if it's a video game and it's like, remember that game in the 90s, Blades of Steel, and there's like the skinny guy, the medium guy, and the big guy? Well, he, like, Jonathan Drouin is like the skinny guy. He He's the most physically uninterested player that I've ever seen play in the NHL, man. Um, but even he, well, he's hurt, so he's proven my point. Even to go out there for 82 games and, you know, take hits and go to the net to, to any degree at all, take some level of courage and balls and spunk. But uh, just to me, the guys that play well into their – like Ryan O'Reilly is, is probably the perfect example, that he's still giving it his all after making all that money and winning those cups and, you know, scoring all those goals and fights and taking all those cross-checks. And he's still doing – and he's still going real hard every night and still doing it. And – it's not only the will to do it that impresses me. It's the fact that his body hasn't broken down. Um, yeah, I mean, hockey players, like I, I went into the rant a few weeks ago, but fuck, man. Our body takes a beating. I know there's a lot of sports, and a lot of them, a lot of them take, uh, you know, fucking tennis, your knees must be fucking gone. They must be, right? They must be. I don't know, golf, your shoulders, fucking whatever basketball overall so football i mean fuck you're taking all those hits but like i said there's only 16 games hockey's all of it man 82 fucking games fights hits spit fucking chirps fucking spears butt ends cross checks trips fucking slashes god love it and God love the NHL playoffs, folks. I'll be back in just a couple of days, maybe even tomorrow. Andrew Hanson, who plays Goody on, on uh, Shorzy. And we'll have a chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said before, I'm very humbled to be able to talk to all you guys and engage with true fans now. Twitter. Um, if you got any questions, a couple of those were from Twitter. Um, throw them that way. It's much healthier for my mind, and uh, I'll definitely get to it easier. It's just 
it's the road less traveled. So I see it on there. And if you post it, then comments start going and gives me ideas. And then I can interact more. Uh, June 9th, I'll be in Edmonton to roast Kevin Lowe. Never met Kevin Lowe. It's going to be odd for a guy with minimal NHL experience, to say the least, to roast a man in the Hall of Fame with like five Stanley Cups. But I'm going to be there. So if you're in the area, I'd love to chat. And that's where I like to uh, socialize with you guys. I know I have a lot of fans out there. So the night before, I think we might go to the Canadian Brew House or something of the like, and I'll answer your questions, sign your hockey cards, whatever you like. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, if you're downtown St. John's, oh, YouTube. YouTube, I will be back. Okay, we're going to try to do it next episode. Again, circumstance, and I uh, haven't had a chance, but uh, we'll get back on that road. It was build, building momentum, and we'll continue to do so. Sorry. If you're downtown St. John's this weekend, why not go to Trinity Pub? Man, one of my favorite spots. It's spring. They got a nice deck and uh, great atmosphere at Trinity Pub. It's come a long way. Shout out to the Manning brothers. Ah, TJ's Green Sleeves, Rob Roy Confusion, Martini Burr, or the Bull and Barrel. That's where I like to go for my beers, but I don't think you can go wrong in downtown St. John's. Uh, Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and Wedgwood Cafe are my first choices for eats. But again, so much to choose from in downtown St. John's. Support local. If you're going to work out, strength and balance for the body and mind. Power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. I swear by it. Check it out. I've got some great friends, uh, including Janet Call. I mentioned her music on here a few weeks ago. Janet just started working out there, and she says it changed her life. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Ryan Power. Have a great summer, buddy. And uh, uh, Ryan, just side note, Ryan trained me to come up here, and he did a great job, Ryan. Uh, they're very happy. I put on over 20 pounds of, of mostly muscle, and uh, all due to you, my friend, and power conditioning. So thank you. Mr. Lube, two locations, Torbay Road, Camount Road, live, laugh, lube. Pitbull Pain Relief, pitbullpainrelief.com, the pain sticks that don't quit. I love it. Check it out. I swear by them. True Hockey, take what's yours. Thanks for tuning in. This has been 151B, 151C with Goody and Anson coming up in just a couple of days. Thanks, folks. Catch you all on the rebound.